This is Ryan Bell from the Life After God podcast, and I never listen. I mean, why would I listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore? I mean, that's the competition. You need to listen to Life After God. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Welcome to the show this September 13th, 2015, episode 156 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Again, sorry about that. Again, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, lucky for you and for me, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. Hello. Wow. Really bringing the bringing the 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 excitement (laughs) to the game, huh? Yeah, I'm a little pooped today, (laughs) but that's okay because, you know, I can hang in there and I can do this. It's a big show. It is. It's always a big show. Well, what I was, (laughs) I was curious how you're doing after the the scare earlier when the gentleman who clearly didn't take driver's ed almost killed us and ran us off the road. Yeah, that was pretty terrifying. Um, but you know, luckily he did stop. Okay, so <laughs> well, we're I mean, here, almost. So, yeah, he did. Yeah, almost got t-boned, but but luckily we survived. And it's always weird when people, you know, almost kill you and they just have zero reaction. Yeah, yeah, and it was too. It wasn't even like oh sorry or oh shit. There's no reaction on his face. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, it was weird. Well, you know, it it did bring back some memories for me of. When I went through driver's ed, because I had kind of a colorful character as a driver's ed instructor in my small northern Idaho town. You did? Yeah. A guy who like was a Olympic boxing prospect in his youth. He was an older guy. Mm-hmm. Super great guy. but An I, Olympic boxer driver's ed teacher. Well, he was an old man when he taught driver's ed in his youth. Okay. He was a prospect. I think he went to the Olympic trials and didn't make it. I think that's it. Come in full circle. Anyway, so he yeah, he was a, he was a character and we always there was always those rumors, you know, kids have rumors that he had booze in his coffee cuz he always had a thermos of coffee. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of an aggressive he was an aggressive dude like Like toward kids? Well, no, not aggressive toward us like you little fuckers, but he would be it, you know, if uh, he he was very plain if you swerve to, to on the road because a dog runs out in front of you or a cat, you will fail driver's ed. So he wants you to murder the cat. Well, no, it's you're going to put. Well, let me finish the, the the saying. But he also said if you don't swerve to avoid a deer, because where I grew up, there's lots of deer running loose, mm-hmm. murderous traffic <laughs> accident causing deers, uh-huh. and that if you do not swerve to avoid the deer, you will fail. Because if you swerve and you could kill someone, but if you if you're just going to hit the dog, it's dead. No one dies. A dog dies, but you know. But if you if you if you <laughs> but you know. But if you if you hit a deer, you could kill everyone in the car. Okay, so it's a safety concern, not yeah. not safety for the animals, safety for the humans concern. As well, it should be. Mm-hmm. And then also, I remember pulling out from a parked position on on like parallel, having been parallel parked, mm-hmm. and I. 
I put my hand inside the wheel, like with my knuckles facing my me, my face, rather than <laughs> outside, you know, 10 and 2. Yeah. My hands were the other way. Like huh. I was putting my dukes up. Kind yeah, of like a, you were putting boxing gloves on. Yeah, right. And so he grabbed the wheel and like, because my hands like intertwined in the steering wheel and he jerked the wheel and kind of like jacked up my wrist. And to I'm teach like, you a lesson. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, don't do that because that could break your wrist off. Well, you know. At the time, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, <laughs> it hasn't changed how I drive. Do you You have any uh, any crazy, I'm putting you on the spot here, but I know I know of one driver's ed story. I don't know if you want to talk about that one, but. Mm-hmm. I had a very um, creepy driver's ed teacher. Yeah, that's the one I know about. Who put my seatbelt on for me. <laughs> One time. Wow. It wasn't that funny when it happened. Um, like reached across. Like mm-hmm. he was outside of the car. No, he oh, was he, in the passenger seat. Oh, so he had to all the, reach all the way over yeah. and grab it and put it on. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because you, you were <laughs> failing to do it or delaying in putting it on. Well, even if I was doing that, the solution would not be to reach over and put my seatbelt on for me. I mean, at least he didn't like graze my vagina in the process. You know, there was. I, I wasn't thinking vagina in the process. I was thinking maybe a little, a little boob rub. Okay, well that wasn't any kind of a problem little, at little, sixteen years old. A little so. titty, titty touching. No, um, that wouldn't have been something that happened when I was sixteen. All oh, right, because Brittany, uh, Brittany S. Flato. Brittany was Flato. <laughs> Nah, it's still S Flato. That um, was the that was the in Spanish class they would that was the Yes, one person did that to me in Spanish class, yes. I think we've talked about that on the show. But anyway, so so your your molesty driver's ed teacher mm-hmm. any any other uh other than him physically assaulting you. He didn't physically assault and me. And touching your vagina no, while you drove. No. What else was there? That that was pretty much it. I mean, I <laughs> I was in driver's ed with, you know, terrifying kids who did not like maybe have never driven and my parents would like let us drive the car pretty often when we were little so I was kind of used to driving a little bit and I wasn't afraid of the freeway and that was a weird thing to me because I I was in driver's ed with like you had two other kids in the car with you uh, when you would go on the drives and they were afraid of the freeway same with us so they wouldn't speed up to get on the freeway And that was one thing that was like always drilled into my head was speed up to get onto the freeway. Right. And so... To merge. Right. To, you know, get up to to match the speed of the traffic you're joining. I mean, I probably went overboard with it, (laughs) but at least we were safe. It does trip me out because your experience with driver's ed is going to be vastly different than mine because I grew up and went to driver's ed, took driver's ed in a town of 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. There, there's not even a stoplight in my hometown. Mm-hmm. It, there's a there's a four way stop. That's it. There is no stoplight. There's not even a a place to go more than fifty miles an hour inside the city limits. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the the highway that's at fifty miles an hour for miles on either direction. I mean, yeah. So it's pretty different. And then you, you had a freeway with 70 and 75 mile an hour speed limits. Right. But then not a lot of traffic. I mean, imagine going no. to driver's ed like here. Oh, yeah. It'd be terrifying. Yeah. That would be horrific. 
But I also had the, uh, you know, disadvantage of being raised by someone who taught me that. Oh, my God. You you don't need to use your your signal, which which I call a ticker. Let me say the reason that you, one of your parents taught you that. Well, I was going to say the reason, yeah, but I think pro- it's, proceed, uh, sir. It is the reason Brittany was taught, and not and not a passive, like you're just witnessing your parent do this. You were you were actively, explicitly taught that not, not to use your turn signal because, quote unquote, no one needs to know where you're going. <laughs> Yes, that is true. And then I was also told never to look over my shoulder when I'm making a lane change because I should always have my eyes on the road. Never take my eyes off the road. Right. So the expectation was not to look, you know, in my blind spots. Right. Don't check out the blind spot. Use your mirrors, Mm -hmm. which don't let you see into your blind spot. Yeah. So it's a miracle (laughs) I'm alive. That's. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. Well. But that's also how you know my parents are from California because that is how people in California drive. Terrible drivers. They do not use their signals and they must not be looking over their shoulders because I almost have people smash into me on the freeway on a daily basis. Right. Well, we also live in a very populous area. I mean, listen, we don't live in Los Angeles, but we do, you know, Orange County is still very populated. Yeah, it is. So hopefully no one else has had an experience where their driver's ed teacher put their seatbelt on for them. Yeah, my, I was assaulted by mine in a different way than you were assaulted by yours. Yeah, you almost had your arm ripped off <laughs> and I just had a finger. Inside a, no, of you. no. <laughs> come on. A delicate, awkward encounter. Mm hmm. Very delicate. Don't you wish, and we're going to end this now, but don't you wish you could have uh, you could have immediately addressed the situation? Like, hey, 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 w- what are you doing? But you know, you're 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 15 or 16 at the time, and you getting your license is a big deal. You don't want to fuck that up, so you don't want to really be you know put yourself in a position where he's going to fail you. Yeah, when I was a teenager, I was not afraid to say anything to anybody. But why didn't you say something? Well, because it was different in that situation. I, I don't know. I, I look back on it and I'm very disappointed because I was a very mouthy teenager. And at that time, I wasn't. Hmm. And, and there's another point in my life where I was sexually harassed when I was a teenager. And I didn't say anything to that person either. But they got fired. Well, you you, you did the right thing in that case, though. Right. But yeah. I still was like, I changed in that moment and yeah. wasn't able to say anything. Right. And I look back on those moments and it's like, ugh. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Let's move on. Lots to get to today. And and I just want to explain the sexual harassment because people are probably like afraid for me right now, but it's okay. I just like had my ass grabbed at work or something like no big deal. Anyway, unnecessary, not needed. Well, I don't want people to be like, oh, what happened to Brittany? Well, I think when, when someone thinks about sexual harassment at work, they don't think that you were raped. They think, you know, somebody, hey, nice tits. <laughs> You know, that's sexual harassment. In in my mind, I don't think sexual harassment is, you know, pin her down and let's grab her boobs. It's just a comment. That seems like sexual harassment. Or leering. Yeah, that's assault. That's crime. Okay, yeah. It's not just a guy who's a little randy (laughs) or even a big randy. (laughs) All right. Like I said, big show, lots to get to today. Let's start with the follow-up. 
And in the course of follow-up today, we're going to talk about something we haven't yet talked about, which is kind of the antithesis of follow-up, but it applies to what we're going to cover in follow-up. Recently, there has been a Muslim flight attendant who is suing her employer. I believe she's suing her employer right now. And it all revolves around the fact that she is refusing to serve alcoholic beverages in the course of her duties as a flight attendant because she's a Muslim. A Muslim flight attendant said the Atlanta-based airline ExpressJet suspended her for refusing to serve alcohol, a practice that is against her religious beliefs. Shari Stanley filed a discrimination complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission last week, saying she wants to do her job without serving alcohol, as she was doing before her suspension, her lawyer said. Lena Masri, an attorney with the Michigan chapter of Council on American Islamic Relations, CARE, said no one, quote, should have to choose between their career and religion. Um, yes. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're going to have to choose between your career and your mythology. I'm sorry. Well, no, even then, you shouldn't have to choose between your career and religion. Yeah, you're right. Do it, your job. No, your religion's making you choose between <laughs> your career and your religion. Well, yes, we are on we were on two different pages, but yes, I agree. Okay, so employers, she told CNN, must quote provide a safe environment where employees can feel they practice their religion freely. I'm not sure that that's the case. That a an employer is required to to provide a space for you to feel like you can freely practice your religion. Well, why why does she want a job where part of the job is serving some drinks right. to people on the flight? Right. Well, what if she doesn't what if she doesn't want to even serve soda to the Jews? I mean, what happens? Oh, well, yeah, I guess uh your religion, we need to really tiptoe around the fact that you your completely unsubstantiated beliefs need to be Coddled. So here's kind of the catch. She began working for ExpressJet nearly three years ago. She then converted to Islam and only learned earlier this year that her faith prohibits her both from serving alcohol and consuming it. She, I'm, uh, I'm smiling because she just learned that. I'm kind of confused by that. That seems like a well-known thing. Yeah, right. She approached a supervisor on June 1st and was told to work out an arrangement with other flight attendants. So meaning that she could get other flight attendants on her flight to serve the alcohol. Well, she can go sit down while they're doing drink service. Right. Like, hey, these people want some <laughs> drinks. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with that. And you go ahead and provide those. I'll go take a break. Yeah, I'm going to go sit in the jump seat in the back while you ladies do all the work. Or gentlemen. I'm sorry. I don't want to be sexist. Right. So her coworker fla- filed a complaint against her for of not course. fulfilling her duties. And that's kind of what making everyone else do more work is ultimately what it is. Right. They are saying that the complaint uh, has been characterized as Islamophobic uh. because it said that Stanley had a book with, quote, foreign writings and wore a headscarf. I, I don't have a problem with all that. But the fact that she's not doing her goddamn job seems to be problematic. And not just for the passengers who aren't getting their sweet, delicious nectar of the gods, but gods. for her fellow, her fellow co-workers. Mm-hmm. So this is how all of this plays into what we're getting ready to talk about. Mike Huckabee has doubled down on the dum-dum. Oh, the huckster. The huckster has doubled down on the dum-dum, everybody. Oh, <laughs> Here's a thing. Here's a thing. 
this is this is what what's happening. We right went now. off the rails real yeah, quick. Yeah, I don't appreciate this. M- what? You should appreciate it very much, or I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on the dumb dumb. <laughs> uh, I think you already did. <laughs> Mike Huckabee was on with Allison Camerata, the former Fox News. That's right, the former Fox News. Although maybe she was fired because she's not blonde. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask, did she dye her hair once she's no longer working at Fox News? <laughs> no. Well, Allison Camerata is one of the hosts of New Day, the morning show that's actually a news show mm-hmm. <laughs> on CNN, unlike Fox. And she had Mike Huckabee on to talk about the Kim Davis release from, from jail and asked him a very poignant and related question uh, about religious liberty and doing one's job. Hi, Allison. Great to be with you. Great to see you. So yesterday was quite a moment there with you on stage with Kim Davis as she was just released. But let's talk about what happens next. Now we understand she won't be going to work today. But this week, while she was in jail, her office, the county clerk's office, did begin issuing those same-sex marriage licenses. So when she returns to work, do those marriage licenses continue to be issued? That's a question her attorney and Kim will have to answer. But yesterday, let me say that the law enforcement people said there were 5,000 people there. Traffic was blocked for miles around. Uh, This ignited. Why is it they always want to talk about how many fucking people were there? Like that matters at all. That, oh, well, there was 5,000 people. Oh, you must. It must be the correct position. If there was a lot of people hanging around. Right. Look at how many people agree with me. Oh, thousands of people were there. Oh, hey, guess what? Millions of people are in favor of gay marriage. That's right. Over half the population of the United States is A-OK. And I'm doing the OK sign with my hand. You sure are. Verify it, Brittany. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, verified. (laughs) Blue check mark. Over half are. So what does it matter that you had 5,000 overall wearing Kentuckians... In, in support of Kim Davis. Overalls are back in style. For a lot of people around the country, a real concern that Kim Davis was being forced not only to do something against her conscience, but really forced to do something against the law that she was elected under and the only law that is in front of her as a county clerk related to marriage licenses. But, I mean, and Gov- so I think it's a much bigger issue. But Governor, yeah, I, want, I want to stop you there because I, the law has changed. Since she took her oath to uphold the Constitution, the law changed. And that happens from time to time. The law Where in a, the Constitution did it change? It, when people say that the, the, the the, this law has changed, decided, what statute can you quote for me? When the Supreme Court decided statute. that gay marriage <laughs> could be the law of the land and that it was discriminatory not to allow it, that's what changed. Well, but the Supreme Court can't make law. They interpreted law. But... The Supreme Court can't make it. Only Congress can make law. And another thing I think we sometimes miss is the Supreme Court can be wrong. The Dred Scott decision of 1857 said that black people weren't fully human. I don't think anybody would like to go back and say, hey, that's the law of the land. It's never been repealed, but it was soundly ignored. Allison, there's a basic misunderstanding of of what it means to follow. Let's I want you to to keep that in mind, because there's a couple clips coming up that deal with that exact statement right there, that the Dred Scott decision is still the law of the land. 
Well, even that it that the decision said that um, black people are not. What did he say? Not fully human. Yeah. Yes. Right. Remember that because. Please he, listen, please, it's, sir. It's like I've screamed and yelled before many times on this program that program Mike Huckabee is a foremost expert on the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution, the Constitution says three branches of government are equal. The basic issue is not even marriage licenses, it's whether or not we live under judicial tyranny, whether we will have, as Jefferson warned, a country that simply surrenders and capitulates to one of the three branches of government sure, but, I mean, and subjugates but the, the other governor, two to look, uh, servitude. Kentucky now allows gay marriage. The governor of Kentucky well, actually, says Kentucky, that now gay marriage is the law of the state and it's the law of the land. But it isn't the law of the state. The state law of... All right, let, let me say this. My Huckabee, here's the deal, buddy. I hope he's listening. Do you think he's listening, Brittany? No. Mike Huckabee doesn't understand that when when interracial marriage was finally legal in the United States, it was still illegal under the Constitution of the state of North Carolina, and it was being practiced. So when something on this level where it relates to civil rights takes effect at a federal capacity, in a federal capacity, it becomes the law no matter what backwards bullshit is going on in your state. Kentucky, in their constitution, voted on by 75% of the Kentucky residents, said that marriage is one man, one woman. Kentucky hasn't done a thing to change their law. The Supreme Court said their law wasn't valid, but the people of Kentucky Bingo. have not implemented that. And even the fact that Kim Davis was put in jail because she was following the law under which she was elected, the law that she yeah. had in front of her, she asked the question, Allison, and I think it's the right one. Tell me, cite for me which statute in the Kentucky law, cite for me which article in the Constitution or which statute in the federal law authorizes her to just scratch out that marriage form yeah. and make something completely different. Uh, Governor, there isn't any. Let me just ask you about a parallel case, because I think that that would help all of us understand Here we where go. you're coming from. So at the same time that this whole thing with Kim Davis has been playing out in Kentucky, there's another case that's been playing out in the media, and that is of this Muslim flight attendant who was suspended from her job because she was not comfortable serving alcohol to passengers. Does that flight attendant have the right to deny all the passengers on that plane who don't share her religion um, alcohol. Historically, we. So notice that he didn't say yes or no. Right, right. Well, what all you heard after she asked the question was. <laughs> and then historically, which means we're getting ready to hear an answer that's not an answer to the question. Yeah. Does she have the right to not do her job because she says because of her religion? Right. And and be, because of the way that Mike Huckabee feels about Kim Davis, the answer to this question should, should be, be yes. yes. Yeah, that's right. But because she's a Muslim. It's somehow different. Yeah, she's she serve, she exists under a different flavor of mythology than him. So the answer, I can't really say he knows he's going to be just a crazy hypocrite if he says no. So rather than that, he just doesn't really answer. And He's going to give his historically blah, blah, blah answer now. And then Allison Camerata goes back at it and asks him again, hey, you didn't answer. Please answer. And he still doesn't. We have made accommodations for people with religious convictions. 
Uh, you've seen it at Michigan where they spent $25,000 providing uh, foot baths for Muslim students. Uh, I, I think most notably, I saw it personally when I visited Gitmo. And I watched as, as for terrorists who were being detained at Gitmo. Yeah. There were signs painted on the floor that directed them to Mecca. We gave them prayer rugs and provided expensive okay. halal meals that cost more than three times what the meals cost okay. for the soldiers who guarded so, them. In other words, so you we have a history of accommodating. So it is okay for the flight attendant who does not believe in drinking alcohol to not serve it to the passengers on board the commercial flight who did want to have a drink. I think people try to make accommodations wherever they can. Sometimes maybe it can't be done. But in this case, there was no attempt to make an accommodation for Kim Davis. Transitions the governor back could have done Davis. that in Kentucky. Right. If he really believes that same-sex marriage is something that he supports, and uh, what he ought to do is call his legislature and let the elected representatives of Kentucky uh, vote for that. But I mean, the governor said the governor said that could, he didn't want to spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars he said of the state taxpayers' money to call the legislature back into session. But what he believed the accommodation could have been was for her to take a different job, was for her to resign if she couldn't fulfill her duties that she had taken an oath to do to take a different job. That was the choice that she had. How convenient for him to suggest that she, elected by the people, give up a job to which she was elected, and when she was that elected, she's not doing. Uh, Kentucky law was expressly clear, as was U.S. law, expressly clear that marriage was one man, one woman. The governor could have made an accommodation by simply saying that the, the courthouse and the county clerk doesn't have to have her name on the certificate. Or Here's the it just fucking baffles me, man. I don't understand that this complete they're skirting around the issue. They're acting like she's just a typical employee of the state. She is an elected official who who ran a campaign for this job. When she goes into the job, she takes an oath to support and defend and uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. And anybody who really has any understanding of our political system and our government knows from an early age, you learn that the Constitution is a living document. It has changed 27 times. There are 27 different amendments to our Constitution. Therefore, it is always changing and ever evolving. So you, when you raise your right hand and you take the oath of office, it's not, well, I'm taking this oath, oath, oath of office, but only under the, the, the Constitution as it exists Right now, if any other uh, court cases get ruled upon that I don't agree with, eh, nope. The, the, the problematic thing is that she's vowing to uphold the Constitution, mm -hmm. which in the Constitution, it lays out a method by which it can be amended. So she's agreeing to the system of changes when she takes the job that marriage licenses could be done online. There were a number of ways, but he chose not to do that. And instead, what is really outrageous, this isn't just about someone not being accommodated. Allison, let's not forget, we're talking about a woman who was sent to jail for this, to jail without bail. I mean, that is an unprecedented watershed moment in America when a person, an elected official, a Democrat, by the way, I, I think it's important to note this was not some, uh, you know, Republican right-wing person. This yes. is a Democrat elected by the people and sent to jail for her beliefs. And, 
and trying to carry out what she believes was the law. And so, Governor, back to my original question of what's going to happen next since she I mean, she chose to go to jail over either issuing the uh, marriage licenses or resigning. So now Mm -hmm. what happens? What happens on Monday when she goes back to work? I know you've spoken to her. What's her plan? What does she say? Will she allow the clerks in her office to issue the marriage licenses, even if they do have her signature, her name on the license? I don't know exactly what she'll do, but she's made it very clear, as has her attorney yesterday when uh, we had a press conference, and that is that she does not plan to violate her conscience. She's not going to surrender and give up her basic First Amendment rights, which, by the way, are expressly clear in the Constitution. Nothing in the Constitution says there's any federal interest in marriage, but there is absolutely an interest in protecting people's right to religious liberty. I think this is more than a right of religious liberty. This goes to the heart of the separation of powers, checks and balances, and whether or not a court can just make up a law out of thin air. But there are many issues. The one thing that I think we ought to agree on is that while this is all getting sorted out, that you shouldn't be putting people like Kim Davis in jail, for heaven's sakes. And and I'm thinking, if this is what's going to happen, who's next? Your pastor? uh, The person who is a caterer? Uh, where does this end when you have this level of outright discrimination and, frankly, persecution for someone who genuinely believes in her heart? Persecution. I like the uh, genuinely believes in her heart. Right. So people genuinely believe a lot of things in their heart. Yeah. There's people who believe that, you know, blacks are inferior to whites, that diversity is a problem. Right. The, the genuineness with which she feels this doesn't make it any more valid or less valid. It's actually irrelevant. It's a meaningless phrase. Yeah, It's completely. a meaningless phrase because many, many people genuinely believe very hateful and wrong things. Wicked things. In their heart. Yeah. So I don't, I don't care. Well, Judge Napolitano, Andrew Napolitano over at Fox News, was on with Shepard Smith, the beloved... <laughs> Shepard Smith. We love Shepard Smith on this program. Can I read a little blurb about the judge just so people have an idea of who he is? Yeah. He is the senior judicial analyst for Fox News, commenting on legal news and trials. He's a syndicated columnist whose work appears in numerous publications, such as Fox News, The Washington Times, and Reason, given the fact that he's a libertarian. Having served as a New Jersey Superior Court judge, he now teaches constitutional law as a distinguished professor at Brooklyn law school he's also written nine books on constitutional legal and political subjects yeah he's a smart guy yes i don't always agree with him but there's no getting around the fact that he is a smart guy so he's on with 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 shep and it's funny because andrew napolitano is a he's a firebrand Mm -hmm. he's an excitable kind of guy and he's the one who's kind of (laughs) setting the tone of being calm in this interaction because shep smith is uh not happy about all this crazy bullshit. Perkins from the Family Research Council up there now. Uh, Mike Huckabee will begin his uh, he'll begin his campaign event here in a minute. Judge Andrew Napolitano, our senior judicial analyst, is with us on the Fox News deck, and I was listing a moment ago in the list of things that are absurd. Topping the list today, and it's a list, but topping it today is that Governor Huckabee said she would happily take her place in jail. That he would happily take her place in jail. That's and not permissible Of course, every, but everybody knows that, including right. Huckabee. So we, we've, now, we've now made this into another let's divide the country issue. 
What? And the, what her attorney was initially arguing was, and did so to Greg Jarrett yesterday on this very channel, was that the United States Supreme Court did not have standing to decide what, what is and was not is not that, legal in the Constitution, and that is absurd and obscene. That That is an argument that was resolved 230 years ago. <laughs> there is no acceptable dispute to the truism that the Supreme Court of the United States has the final say on the meaning of the Constitution, whether one agrees with it or not. Now, if Matt Staver is arguing for... That's an, the attorney. Uh, right, her attorney, for an accommodation between his client's religious beliefs and the fundamental right of same-sex couples to get married in that county, they have found the accommodation. She doesn't have to deal with them, and the deputy clerks can issue those applications for those licenses. But if he wants to relitigate the issue of whether or not a local county clerk can defy the Supreme Court and whether same-sex marriage can take place in that county, he's going to lose and she's going to lose because that issue has already been resolved by the Supreme Court with finality. But we'll be able to have a fine campaign moment and a more of a, a, a divisive display here, which is what's coming right now and, and in just a moment. I, I think you're right. It, it will be a campaign display. I don't know if Governor Huckabee is going to speak. It sounds like he will. We saw Senator Cruz there. I don't know if he's uh, if he's going to speak. Well, that's an interesting thing. And, and Shannon Breen was telling us there's all kinds of dispute behind the scenes about who's going to be the face of this thing. So far, it looks like Governor Huckabee. But look, they got her out of jail by crafting a compromise that the court was happy to craft. If they misled the court or if she changed her mind and there is no compromise, She's going to be back in jail, and the court will sign an order deeming licenses issued by her deputies to be valid and lawful licenses. Of course, what they've said now, what her attorney said today is that she wasn't there. They took her name off the licenses. Therefore, the licenses are invalid and anything that's been issued. Of course, we're, you know, we're nitpicking this thing to death now right. to accommodate not this woman who wanted a, a, what has been considered to be a legitimate accommodation, but to a, accommodate the grandstanders who now surround her. That's a fact. That's probably what's going on even as we speak, and you'll hear that in a couple of minutes. Well, let's listen. Why don't we? Their TV show for taking a stand for truth. Would you p please help me welcome to this stage Jason and David Bonham? Okay, well, I don't... All right, now, here's, here's the part of it that I'm going to cut in, and we've only got a couple more minutes of this clip. I know these are going long, but they're really important because they put everything in context. He, here's the thing that, that really points to this being just a show. And a freak show at that. That voice you just heard was none other than Josh Feuerstein. The, the vertical video backward-hatted buffoon who has been the subject of a couple of my, my YouTube videos. If you'd like to watch those, a little plug for them, go search Josh Feuerstein and Dollamore on YouTube and they'll both come up. But... If they wanted to be taken seriously, which they clearly don't, they wouldn't have that provocateur on the stage. They would have legitimate people involved in in this entire fiasco. But instead, they want it to be a freak show. Either that or they don't they can't discern between what is legitimate and illegitimate support. Uh, this is venturing off into other territories, but in a minute, 
Governor Huckabee is going to be up there for his campaign event, and the county clerk will be there as well, and maybe we'll hear a little bit more. Well, Governor Huckabee has argued that the Supreme Court was wrong and didn't have the authority to resolve that. He is entitled to that opinion, but that is not the law wait, of the land. This is a man who wants to be president? Yes. He, wait a minute, wait. He's a man who wants to be president, and he says that the, that the United States Supreme Court does not have standing? Yes. He has well, that's, made... that's, that's, that's ridiculous. If I mean, that is... That is preposterous, and, and he does not have a right to this opinion. That, that, he doesn't have a right to that opinion, though, Judge. He doesn't. Well, because we have a Constitution. There are opinions and there are facts. The fact is the Supreme Court has standing, and the fact is that he said they don't is preposterous. Agreed. He's entitled to the opinion, but it's a, it, it's a well. specious, baseless opinion. And it may be the goal of those people who are representing this lady to use this cause as an instrument to defy the Supreme Court, or at least to get political gain out of their public defiance of the Supreme Court. But, Shep, the case is over. They appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States, which refused to hear their appeal. The issue of same-sex marriage, for better or for worse, is the law of the land of the United States of America. And though these folks have the right to express whatever opinion they want, this is not going to change the law. And she, as an instrument of the government, she's not running a church, and she's not running a, a legislative body. She's running a county clerk's office. She's taken an oath to uphold the Constitution. That means the Constitution as interpreted by the Supreme Court. She asked for an accommodation and got it. Yes. Now, if, if her lawyers misrepresented to the court what she truly wanted, then we're back, to, uh, we're back to square one. Because the Kentucky law requires an accommodation of people who work for the government that have religious objection to enforcing certain laws and an accommodation of people who have rights as defined by the Kentucky Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court. They found such an accommodation in the three-page order that Judge ben, uh, uh, Bunning wrote and signed a few hours ago. If one of the parties to that withdraws, all bets are off. If there's so that is... That is a little bit more articulately stated than what I said, that she is an instrument of the government. She's not just some random employee. She's an instrument of the government, a government official. She doesn't have the ability to pick and choose which laws, which lawful laws she's going to, to stand behind, to put into motion. Well, to show that it is people on both sides of the political spectrum who who agree on this matter. Right, so Judge Napolitano is a libertarian. Very right-wing. Leans conservative. Yeah. And now we're going to have Jeffrey Tubin, who is a left-leaning right. attorney. Right, very left-leaning. He was on with Anderson Cooper on CNN, and they had a talk about it, too. I mean, do you believe Mike Huckabee actually believes this? What do you make of this? Well, I, I don't know, you know... It's Friday night, and my experience is most people on Friday night want to talk about 19th century constitutional history. And so, you know, it's just really a good time to it talk is, about no this. Doubt. And, and um, I, you know, what he actually believes and what he said, I mean, I think he does believe this. There, there's a whole school of thought um, that says, you know, that the God's law and nature's law can supersede the Constitution. A lot of people believe that, but that is not the law of the United States. It's not what the Supreme Court has said. It's not how the Constitution is written. But, you know, I, I think he's being sincere. He's just wrong. But it's interesting because the same people who are arguing that 
would have a problem with Sharia and people who believe in Sharia believe that the law of Sharia can, should supersede the law of any given land. Th th that's right. And, and you know, the, the Constitution is, is clear and the way the court has interpreted the Constitution, you know, there are a lot of murky areas, but this happens not to be one of them. You know, the, the, the Dred Scott decision was overruled by the 13th and 14th Amendment. Everybody knew that. That was the purpose of the 13th and 14th Amendment. So the idea that Dred Scott is still on the books is, as you said, factually inaccurate. And the same point about judicial review, 1803, John Marshall's opinion in Marbury versus Madison. It is the law, it is the duty of the court to say what the law is. They can overturn laws. A lot conservatives like it when they overturn campaign finance laws or gun control laws. This law, they didn't like it. That they on on the same broadcast, I should tell our viewers, Huckabee also said that accepting same-sex marriage as a law would be uh, surrendering, surrendering to judicial tyranny, even quoting Jefferson to make his point. He's, and, and that's an argument he's used before. That's right. And, you know, Jefferson, like politicians for time immemorial, have disagreed with things that the Supreme Court has done. And politicians get very angry at the Supreme Court. Franklin Roosevelt tried to pack the court with more justices because he was so angry with what they did. But that's not the same thing as saying that the Supreme Court is not the arbiter of the final law of the land because... It is. Kim Davis, uh, she's taking a break this week. She's going back to work on mm -hmm. Monday. If she tries to interfere with her deputies who are now giving out marriage licenses, what would happen? She's going to go back to jail. Really? I, I don't think yes. there's any doubt about that. Yeah, if, if she st stops uh, her county from, not, from giving more licenses, Judge Bunning, who's supervising the case, has made quite clear that you know, he's, he's not going to put up with it. She filed an emergency appeal today to try to get some sort of wiggle room uh, but I just I think the law here is just so straightforward. And, and the, the interesting thing is her lawyer has not really said what she's going to do on Monday. So Monday is going to be very interesting mm -hmm. about whether she basically accedes to letting the deputies um, I issue the marriage licenses or she continues to defy the court. Mm -hmm. So Judge Bunning that, that sent Kim Davis to jail. That's right. He has ordered her not to get in the way of her deputies. Is that, is that what they're called? That's right. Her, her deputy clerks. And she, they've also changed the forms where the marriage forms where her name is not on them. Right. So her lawyers have suggested that she's going to defy that order somehow. Hmm. And she has also filed. So she's a liar. She's going to go against the agreement with the court. She has filed a petition with the 6th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals asking the court to halt an order by a district judge requiring that marriage licenses be issued to all couples seeking them. Uh, so still, she's continuing to fight this. Right. Still. Just quit your job. Just go away. Well, and so now now people, hopefully, from hearing hearing these different sides to this, they have a little ammo for when people just bring up this talking point that they keep hearing with Dred Scott. This old, tired trope. Right. Now, now you have somewhat of a response. And you have somewhat of a response to give to people from both sides. If you tend to have conservative friends... You can talk about Judge Andrew Napolitano and what he said. And if you have liberal friends, I, I, they would probably not need to be convinced. <laughs> right. But you could talk about Jeffrey Tubin and what he has said. Because everyone of, 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 of reasonable, they agree that this is complete and utter lunacies. So tomorrow, we'll know, because she's going back to work tomorrow, 
in 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 spirit of this, and to kind of uh, wrap this up with the Kim Davis stuff, we got an email from a listener, Kevin, and amongst other things, he he covered a whole bunch of stuff. Our our listeners tend to be intelligent and verbose, and it was a very very long email. A lot of it we're not going to get well. The vast majority, the lion's share, we're not going to get to. But we're going to talk about specifically what he asked about the Kim Davis thing. So Kevin has a long email skipping to the Kim Davis section. Sorry. Sorry, Kevin. I want to know where all the Republican presidential candidates are for Cherie Stanley, the Muslim flight attendant, in regards to their defense of Kim Davis. Are her religious liberties being violated or not? She just wants to have a job that requires serving alcohol to accommodate her. It must be because she's a Muslim and not a Christian. Seriously, it's even more clear when you have someone like Bobby Jindal defend Kim Davis, but back in 2009, go after a clerk for denying an interracial couple marriage for a license. So we, you know, obviously Mike Huckabee wouldn't give a response. That's right. So we don't know where the candidates stand in terms of... Well, because, listen, uh, every single presidential candidate is not going to come out and give um, a, a full opinion on 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 just some occurrence in the news. Just because there's a flight attendant who's not wanting to do her job, they're not all going to respond about this. But because Kim Davis is a national issue... We do know what every candidate has kind of what their position is on it. So in terms of where they stand for Kim Davis, though, uh, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Mike Huckabee, Bobby Jindal, Rick Santorum are for Kim Davis. There's a bit of a gray area when it comes to Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, Ben Carson and Rick Perry. Uh, Rick Perry doesn't matter anymore. We'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) Um, But for instance, what a gray area represents. Marco Rubio said there should be a way to protect the religious freedom and conscience rights of individuals working in that office. But he didn't say she's right. Right. So the people who are against Davis, John Kasich, quote, she's not running a church. Donald Trump, quote, this was not the right job for her. Chris Christie, quote, you have to follow the law and the law is these licenses have to be issued. Lindsey Graham, quote, as a public official, comply with the law or resign. Carly Fiorina, quote, when you are a government employee, I think you take on a different role. And George Pataki, quote, we are a nation of laws. Yeah, very good. So. We hope that's kind of a sideways answer to your question. It's probably not an answer at all, Kevin, but um, it illuminates this a little bit better. So with that, let's move on with the show. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. And we would also like to extend our most heartfelt thanks to our latest patrons on Patreon, Alex, Thea, and Mike. It is, it's awesome we, we really want to want to thank you guys for partnering with us to move the conversation forward. Of course, there's the phone number, 657-464-7609. People email voice memos from their smartphones, idoubted at dollamore.com. But Patreon is an awesome way to to join with us and help us move the conversation forward. It's, it's an awesome thing. Dollamocracy 2016, 
facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, like Brittany said just a few seconds ago, Rick Perry is a dirty, filthy quitter. I would rather one state get it wrong than the entire country. And that's our point with the 10th Amendment. Today, Washington has discarded that 10th Amendment. It's been centralizing government for generations now, failing to meet the test of leadership. It is time for us to elevate this debate from divisive name-calling, from sound bites without solutions, and start discussing how we will make the country better for all if a conservative is elected president. Today, I submit to you, his will remains a mystery. (laughs) But some things have come and become very clear to me. That is why today I'm suspending my campaign for the presidency of the United States. So he's a goner. So, yeah, he, he dropped out of the race. And the reasoning is talked about on 538, of course. Perry was pulling around 2% nationally, too low for him to get into the varsity round of either of the first two Republican debates. That's a far cry from where he sat at this point in the last election cycle. And 538 shows a chart here. We'll be linking to it on the Facebook page. And, I mean, in the 2012 campaign, he was in, you know, 20%. Yeah, well, there are fewer candidates, too. Right, going up to, you know, 30%. And he barely at any point was even close to going at 10%. Which is the same thing with Santorum, who gave Mitt Romney a run for his money toward the end of the nomination process. Yeah, so, you know, Rick Perry realized... You know, this next debate's coming up. I'm not even in it. I got to get out of yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to stop wasting my time. And money. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a lot of money. It's expensive. So that's good. Uh, one fewer candidate in the race. Um, next up, Vice President Joe Biden, who is really being pressured to join the race, was on the, I almost said the Colbert Report. He was on with Stephen Colbert on The Late Show, and they had a little talk about religion. How is your faith? I know you're a man of deep faith. How has your faith helped you respond to having lost your, your first wife and, and your daughter and now your son? How important is that in your life and in what ways has it helped you? First of all, it's a little embarrassing this being about me. There's so many people, maybe some people in the audience, who've had losses as severe or worse than mine and didn't have the incredible support I have. I have such an incredible family. I And so I I feel self-conscious talking about the loss is serious and it's consequential, but there's so many other people going through this. But for me, you know, my wife, when she wants to, she's a professor, when she wants to leave me messages, she literally tapes them on my mirror when I'm shaving. And she she put up a, a quote from Kierkegaard. And Kierkegaard said, faith sees best in the dark. And for me, my religion is just an enormous sense of solace. And some of it relates to ritual. Some of it relates to just comfort of what you've done your whole life. I go to mass and I, 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 I'm able to be It's just alone, even in the crowd. I'm, you're alone. I, I, uh, 
say the rosary. I find it to be incredibly comforting. And so what, what my faith has done is it's, it sort of takes everything about my life with my parents and my siblings and all the comforting things and all the good things that have happened have happened around the culture of my religion and the theology of my religion. And I, I don't know how to explain it more than that, but it's just, it's just the place you can go. Uh, and by the way, a lot of you have been through this. The faith doesn't always stick with you. Sometimes it leaves me. Sometimes... So I don't want to come off like... Anyway, I don't... I, no, I understand the feeling. You don't want to come off as pious or, uh, or a holy Joe. Yeah. I understand that, but... I'm sure not. But... but <laughs> Sure but what, what, what inspires me, what inspires me, sir, about your response in your life and your service to the country and what you instilled in your children is that you have suffered, and yet through your suffering, you seem to have made some beautiful things in your life. You've dedicated yourself to other people and helping them. If you haven't seen the entire episode and the, or the entire uh, appearance of Vice President Biden, you really should check it out. It's on YouTube. It, they cut it into two different pieces, but it, it was a touching. It was a touching conversation, and he went into the death of his son, and uh, he broke down and cried a little bit, and it, it was awesome. But something really doesn't rub me right about this entire religion conversation, because it really is, while unpopular to say, maybe not so unpopular with with our audience, that this is it's a crutch. And he's talking about relying on a mythological, invisible, improvable crutch. The, the ritual of Catholicism and the, the, the chants and the mantras and the prayers to invisible deities. It's weird that it's so widely accepted. I kind of have a different take on it because yeah, I think whatever works for whoever it works for is great. And that gave him comfort that gave him strength. It provided a sense of community for him to rely on other people. And, you know, obviously listening to him speak about it and watching him speak about it, it's something that profoundly affected him and, and helped him a lot during that difficult time. And if that helped him, then great. Obviously it's not for me, but who am I to say, that you know it, it it shouldn't be working for him because it's you know a crutch yeah well crutches are sometimes necessary when one breaks their leg you need a crutch to walk around but i just don't know if if a man who wants to be the most powerful man on the planet believing in such nonsense and leaning so heavily on nonsense is my guy well and i think that was also somewhat addressed during the interview in that you know, he isn't ready to run effectively. He, he's still pretty broken up and he doesn't think that he has the ability to really focus in and the dedication to do that right now because he's still reeling from that loss. Hmm. Only time will tell. Which is a bummer because we're going to be missing out on seeing those pearly whites. <laughs> he does have a hell of a smile, yeah, that's for does. sure. All right, well, uh, that was good. You should check that out. We'll we'll put links to it on the Facebook page. And if you're not liking the Facebook page already, go like the goddamn Facebook page. What is taking you 
So long. Also, just leave us a, a nice little a nice little iTunes review. Oh, and the iTunes review too. Mm-hmm, I didn't mm-hmm. that wasn't planned or anything, but thank you, Brittany, for Why do you always have to say things aren't planned? I think everyone gets it by now that <laughs> things are not planned around here. All right. Well, it was just we weren't gonna take a break after the Joe Biden thing and solicit for iTunes reviews. Although iTunes reviews are pretty swell. It happened. They're good. Real good. They're they're almost as good as Trump comparing his military school experience to the real thing. Donald Trump, who received draft deferments through much of the Vietnam War, told the author five five, five draft deferments. Everybody told the author not one five draft deferments because he's a coward. Told the author of an upcoming biography that he nevertheless, quote, always felt that I was in the military because of his education at a military themed boarding school. Mr. Trump said his experience at the New York Military Academy, an expensive prep school where his parents had sent him to correct poor behavior, gave him, quote, more training militarily than a lot of the guys that go into the military. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, Donald Trump has more military training than your humble host. You know, I don't know if you know, Brittany, but I was in the United States Marine Corps. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, for some reason, I have my doubts that Donald Trump has more military training than me or anyone that I know who, quote, who, with whom I serve. Quote, than a lot of the guys that go into the military. A lot of the guys who go into the military. So that claim uh, is obviously raising a lot of eyebrows given that Mr. Trump, now a Republican presidential candidate. Mr. Trump, a five-time draft deferment receiver. Never served in the military and mocked Senator John McCain of Arizona, a decorated naval aviator for his captivity of several years during the Vietnam War. I like people who weren't captured. Let me uh, let me tell you. That's that's exactly what he said. Is that the quote? Is that exactly what it is? Yeah. So Donald Trump described his education, business life, marriages, and childhood in extensive interviews with Michael D. Antonio, a Pulitzer Prize-winning former reporter at Newsday. Mr. D. Antonio's biography of Mr. Trump, quote, "Never Enough: Donald Trump and the Pursuit of Success," will be published on September twenty-second. So, in the book, Donald Trump emerges as a man largely unchanged from his chi- unchanged from his childhood in the wealthy Queens neighborhood of Jamaica Estates, where an exacting father, Fred Trump, schooled him in self-promotion and encouraged a lifetime of fighting. The senior Mr. Trump, a major real estate developer, counseled his son to quote, "Be a killer," and told him, "You are king." Are uh. you surprised? Well, in another <laughs> in another print interview he did, I believe Rolling Stones was it the the Carly Fiorina thing. Yes, he we talked about it last time that he he said look at that face and made fun of the way she looks and could anybody vote for that face? Who wants her to be president? Yes. Well, he's he's having to be you know Mister Straight Shooter. Talks telling it like it is, and he's a truth teller, and he's not afraid to be non-PC. Uh, he's backing away from that now and denying that he was actually talking about her face. Yeah, he says that he was talking about her persona. <laughs> you know, when he says, "Look at that face." Yeah, I know. He that, means I know. Persona. I know. He said that face, but he was—he just meant persona. Yeah, yeah, of like course. the persona yeah. of that face. Yeah, it's you know, it's. 
it's the same lunacy that he could stand there and say that he's received more military training <laughs> than most guys who go in while, while, while unable to hold all five draft deferments in, in, in his arms. Yeah, Ugh. it's just funny because it's an expensive prep school. You right, know, right. You really think that, you know, people are sending their kids there and it's this like terrible military experience at this expensive prep school. It's like the school incentive a woman and he's acting like he was in Marine Corps boot camp. Just fucking deplorable. Anyway, we'll move on. We're, we're, we want to wrap this up sometime today. The debate is coming up. Republican presidential candidates will have a huge opportunity this Wednesday night to get their messages out to the voters. CNN and the Ronald Reagan Library are holding two debates in California. At 6 p.m. Eastern, we have the lower polling candidates. They're going up against each other. And then the primetime debate, 8 p.m., the top 11 contenders will square off. The debate moderator for both of those is Jake Tapper. He anchors the lead in State of the Union on CNN. He joins me now from Los Angeles. Jake, thanks so much for being with us. You know, preparing it's for It's my these... pleasure. Congratulations on the baby. Thank you so much. You heard it first from Jake Tapper. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you know, as you prepare for these kinds of debates, you have 11 candidates, millions of people watching you. The pressure being, how do you give each candidate the equal time and not seeming like, hey, the guy that's polling up top is going to be the one that's fielding all the tough questions? Well... We have, first of all, we're going to have people with stopwatches trying to make sure that there is, while I would never promise equal time, at least some <laughs> semblance of, of balance and making sure that, that everybody is brought into the conversation. The way that we're going about this debate is trying to make sure that the candidates square off. So there will be opportunities for everybody to respond uh, when something is said about him or her. Uh, I don't know that uh, Donald Trump, the front runner right now, won't uh, ultimately end up um, speaking the most, uh, the most important thing is we want to make sure everybody is brought into the conversation and we want these candidates to actually debate. Mm -hmm. This isn't about uh, Trump versus me. This is about Trump versus other candidates in terms of uh, the, the fight over ideas, the fight over policies, the fight over leadership. And so we're hoping for a very lively debate that way. And the viewers at home hope to learn more about their positions on those big issues, but you wonder whether they're going to square off on controversial things. For example, Carly Fiorina, she was added as the 11th candidate to this main event. This is the first big primetime debate appearance for her since Trump's comments, you know, insinuating her face and would someone vote for that for president. Do conflicts between candidates provide more fodder? Is it good or bad for a moderator? Well, look, I mean, they disagree about a whole lot of things. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that we're going to talk about the Fiorina comments, the comments that Donald Trump made about Fiorina or not. Uh, but certainly there have been things that they have said about each other, whether it's Ben Carson talking about Donald Trump's faith or Marco Rubio talking about whether Donald Trump can be commander in chief uh, or things that Donald Trump has said uh, about Jeb Bush. Uh, they have said things about each other uh, that are, as far as I'm concerned, fair game uh, for the debate. Now, some of them are personal attacks. Some of them are about differences in their opinion on what a commander in chief should do or how they should do it. Some of them are policy differences. And we're going to be getting into a whole bunch of them. I, I do not want the debate to be 
uh, a just a litany of all the nasty things that they have mm -hmm. said about each other. But I do want it to be uh, about all the different kinds of differences they have. CNN's Jake Tapper, who will be moderating those debates. Jake, thanks for being with us, giving a bit of a preview for us. Thank you so much. And you can watch Jake ask the Republican candidates the tough questions and fair questions this Wednesday night. The top 11 in the polls will face off in the CNN Reagan Library debate at 8 p.m. Eastern. And we will be covering in a patron only, a Patreon supporter only episode. We'll, we'll be doing our regular Wednesday episode. And then as a bonus, which will be uploaded to Patreon only for the Patreon. So it, you won't see it on iTunes. So if you'd like to get in on that, you go to patreon.com, patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. And you can you could give as little as well as little as anything, you know, 25 cents an episode, 50 cents an episode, whatever. And you will have access to the debate analysis, just like we did the very first debate with Fox. And, you know, it was um, a lot of people liked it. In fact, I think that uh, we've seen a little bit of an uptick in the amount of Patreon support we're getting and, and the amount of, of patrons who are who are who are joining us and partnering with us and i think it's because of everybody wanting to to take part in these particular episodes. So if you want to do that again, patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. And we definitely appreciate it because, you know, we like doing the extra bonus episode. It is extra work. Oh, it's a lot of extra um, work. But, you know, we enjoy doing it. And we're excited for this debate because Jake Tapper is the moderator and he is fantastic. He, he's one of my favorites. Yeah, he is. He's a straight shooting guy. Right. And he's really intelligent. And this is really kind of his domain is, is presidential politics. And he is a nerd turd. His office is like a, his a office museum. is awesome. Yeah, a museum for campaign regalia. Right. So the debate at the Reagan Library, which I checked to see if we could get tickets to go. They weren't even selling tickets because it's such a small yeah, yeah. forum, I guess. But um, Rand Paul, Mike Huckabee, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Ben Carson, Donald Trump, Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, Carly Fiorina, John Kasich, and Chris Christie. So I think the ones to watch are obviously Carly Fiorina and John Kasich. Carly Fiorina did awesome in the kind of plan B debate at, over at Fox News last time. She mm -hmm. wasn't on the main stage yeah. and she made it to the main stage this time. I think she's one to watch. And then John Kasich, who is more moderate yeah, um, he's more a Jesse kind of guy. Yeah, he <laughs> he's one to watch because he did really well last time, and hopefully he'll be asked more questions this time. And you have Rand Paul and Chris Christie on complete opposite ends of the stage, probably to reduce that yelling back and forth between each other. Yeah, no kidding. All right, well, it's going to be good. And really, we like Brittany said, we really do enjoy doing the bonus episode. It is a lot of extra work, especially for the fact that we do our regular Episode 157 will also be on Wednesday, so eh, it's going to be a, a full evening of, uh, of podcasting of podcasting and good time politics. <laughs> All right. Well, we will wrap it up with a little bit of taking care of biz. Taking care of biz. Steve B B Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Right. Yeah. You know, of of uh, 
of Boardwalk Empire. Uh, Boardwalk Empire fame uh-huh. of several Big Daddy. Big Daddy. I was going to say several Adam Sandler movies uh-huh. uh, of Sopranos. He was on The Sopranos. Yep. Um, he is. Uh, he is a distinct-looking man. <laughs> Anyway, so I guess I'll intro the goddamn I didn't, segment I didn't here. know how to respond that to you, but no, that's my job, so I'll go ahead and do it. All um, right. So Steve Buscemi, he is an actor, as everyone knows, a very famous actor. Yes. He's been in a lot of notable roles and won awards. He's famous and rich, right? But he used to be a firefighter. Yeah, back in the a long, long time ago, before right. he was famous or rich. He <laughs> was an FDNY firefighter in downtown Manhattan. And, you know, 9-11 just happened, the anniversary of 9-11. And so this story resurfaced, and I found it really interesting. It was kind of a today I learned, because up to this point, you'd never heard this before. Right. So in 1976, Steve Buscemi took the FDNY civil service test, and he was just 18 years old. In 1980, he became a New York City firefighter. For four years, he served on one of FDNY's busiest engine engine company 55 in manhattan's little italy he later left the fire service to become a successful actor writer and director after 9 11 he returned to his engine 55 yeah and on september 12th and for several days following he worked 12 hour shifts alongside other firefighters digging and sifting through the rubble from the world trade center looking for survivors yeah and the 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 awesome thing about this is the reason so many of you have never heard of this is because he didn't do interviews. He didn't do any of that shit because why? He wasn't there for the publicity. So he he declined interviews and apparently very few photographs exist because he, he was declining the publicity. So in 2003, he also gave a speech at a union rally supporting higher wages for firefighters and to stop firehouses from closing. He got arrested along with other firefighters. Also not very well known is that in 2012, he showed up in Breezy Point, New York and quietly assisted in the cleanup efforts after the damage and mass destruction left by Superstorm Sandy. We just call it Hurricane Sandy on this program, Brittany. Okay, sorry. Superstorm Sandy. I'm reading this. So anyway, uh, this is pretty profound. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Well, it's really, it, it, it puts in perspective that he really is just kind of a, a down-to-earth, simple salt of the earth kind of guy he's not your mega star asshole eh, that's gross and racist kind of uh that was a ben Affleck joke but he, he's not you know your your pretentious hollywood guy he's he's a man of the people right and i checked it against snopes everybody so it's it's true so don't don't think i'm making up some story here for taking care of biz <laughs> But it seems pretty unlikely because you don't hear things like this from celebrities. I mean, right. especially if they're not doing it for publicity. Right. And it is. He really is. That's a taken care of biz. And yeah. Working 12-hour shifts to go back and, and help his his fellow firefighters. Right. And it was a fucking hellscape on September 12th. It was a terrible situation down there. So, well, good for him. That's awesome. Listen, with that, we're going to leave you. We appreciate your support, whether it be just listening and supporting the show that way, or if you're one of our growing list of Patreon supporters, either way, listen, we love you. We appreciate you very much. Without you, this show would not exist because uh, I already talked to myself enough, and I don't need a giant production to do so. 
So tune in on Wednesday for our regular show. If you'd like to check out the debate analysis, you better jump on it. Go on to patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. You can also go to the website, dollamore.com. On the left-hand side of the page, there's an Amazon link. If you're going to spend your money anyway at Amazon, why not to help support your favorite show filled with news, news, and ridiculous comment. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will see you next time. Until that next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt It. I mean, at least he didn't, like, graze my vagina in the process. Of it.